This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that's talking about a movie that if it were from the Fast and the Furious franchise, it would be Three Nage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> it sure would. And the whole time they'd be like, oh, but but family, because memes right. of things I don't understand because I haven't seen uh, one of them since the first one. Well, they got very much into family. There's like... Magnet cars now and helicopters and jumps and stuff. And it's like, what happened to stealing DVD players or VCRs or whatever it was? <laughs> Where have we gone? Naturally, in any film franchise, you need to raise the stakes in every movie. And now there's been like a hundred of them. So, <laughs> stakes are through the roof at this point. <laughs> Today, we are back. Oh, uh, we're back, baby. And we are. Not over the whole time travel thing yet from talking about Loki the past six weeks. <laughs> so naturally, we're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. The one where they go back in time. Uh-huh. For reasons, because the plot told them to. Because Exactly. Someone wrote it on a piece of paper and called it a screenplay and handed it and said, do that. And they said, you sure? <laughs> Have you ever seen this thing before? I think I've seen it once but I'm not convinced that I saw it all the way through. Oh, good. Same boat. Good. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this might be my first full viewing. And then again, when I watched it the next night, because I fell asleep halfway through. Also, same boat. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> this movie does that. It sure does. And I think that's because famous director, Stuart <laughs> Gillard, and written by also. I'm not sure he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He has 55 directing credits on IMDb. Yeah, but it's mostly TV stuff. I was going to say, I'll give and like you $5 big name shows. if you can name like, anything else he's directed. Charmed. Yeah. Also, uh, he did Rocket Boy or whatever that was, right? Oh, or yeah, that weird Rocket, Rocket Man. Man. That's the one, not the Elton John one. Right, the one from like, what was it, like 91 or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he did like the reboot of Charmed. Well, he did some, he did like three episodes of the original Charmed, and then he did like 12 episodes of the new Charmed. So I guess he's really coming into his own i remember being on set and like you walk into people and you're like wow that person was on like return of the jedi wow that person was on this other big show that i can't think of off the top of my head for this <laughs> this thing here i can't imagine that like a, a lowly pa is on the set of charm going oh my god that's the guy who wrote and directed teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 i can't believe he's here in front of me oh, oh my god it finally happened <laughs> He did three episodes of The Outer Limits. Three episodes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, famous director, Stuart Gillard. Absolutely famous director. I think before getting into this thing, oh, we have a lot of people who wrote it on Facebook. There's like seven messages. Phil Hawkins is three of them. All right, Phil. Go get We'll her, get yo. there. We'll get there. But one really stuck out to me. Okay. And it was our buddy Mike Lanham. He wrote and said, 
have never seen this one. Tried to watch it last month, only got 20 minutes in. Fair. How did they let things fall off so much with a third flick? What other trilogy should have stopped after two films? Ooh. And realistically, my answer is none, or else it wouldn't be trilogies, Mike. Come on. It's <laughs> a good answer. But I think ah, The Matrix is always a tricky one when it comes to that. It is tricky because, you know, they should have stopped at one, really. They should have. They didn't. Once you get that second one, you kind of need the third to wrap it all up. Yeah, and I know a lot of people say Back to the Future probably should have too, but... Yeah, probably. I disagree. I love the third one. I think I've only seen the third one once, and it was a long, long time ago, but I don't remember loving it. That's fair. But I asked Mike Lanham, you only saw 20 minutes, huh? Why don't you tell me what you think happens the rest of this movie? (laughs) Yes. And he said... It could have been more than 20. He went back and confirmed it was 25, so not much more. This movie's an hour and 36 (laughs) minutes somehow. Against all odds. He said, all I know is April, but not the real one, went to the past. (laughs) Then OG Casey Jones is randomly in the flick. Anyways, people were trading places in order to go to past and present times. I assume the turtles fight some samurai by way of cover art and eventually get to go back to normal time by changing some Chinese-Japanese prophecy written hundreds of years ago. Fuck, man, I don't know. The movie's not good. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty good. Actually, better movie. I love the way he wrote it. Better than Stuart (laughs) Gillard. Good for you, Mike. Changing some prophecy. I love it. I love it. But if you guys haven't seen a movie, or have only seen a part of a movie that we're about to be talking about, whatever week it might be, write in, tell us what you think the movie is about. Yes. Take a total shot in the dark, no right or wrong answers. Write your own version of what you think happens. I love that. Well, call it a segment of movies I haven't seen. Something like that. Something like that. I love it. So, Mike, thank you for the first movies you haven't seen. Perfect. (laughs) We have a new bit. Brian, let's get into the real thing let's do the real whatever it may be naturally we begin in 1603 feudal japan with a rising red sun for a moment you might think turtles have gone cinematic you'd be wrong (laughs) someone just slapped a red filter over the cameras like yep look at that look at cinematic that is quick pull it pull it pull it pull (laughs) it pull it it. we're getting to we're getting to actual plot we need to pull away the filter And they do, and it turns out they're just like in a forest now. So it's very red, and then it's very green. You're like, that has to be artistic some way, right? No? Maybe. All right, carry on, movie. A young man named Kenshin, played by Henry Hayashi, is being chased by four samurai. And, you know, if you've seen the cover of the movie, the cover art, or the poster, you might think, hey, that's probably the turtles. But it's not. It's just four samurai. That's right. They didn't even make their own poster. A mysterious woman watches as the samurai capture Kenshin and take him away mysterious it is mysterious she doesn't do anything she hides behind a tree that's right that's it naturally we cut right to the present where we get a proper opening credits where the turtles you know them leonardo donatello Raphael, and michelangelo are gonna dance around for a little while a lot of while a long time i think that's what you meant to say it's a lot of dancing it's really uncomfortable watching them dance because the costumes have progressed at this point barely It's weird because the turtles are doing like a bunch of flippies and stuff and fighting no one and just showing off to each other in the sewer. I like that they're they're really demonstrating their their abilities with their weapons because they're not going to use them much in the movie. That's right. But it's weird watching how athletic these guys are within these suits. And they are. It's impressive. Absolutely. But the faces could not be any more dead. The (laughs) eyes don't do anything. The mouth doesn't do anything. You're like, this is just eerie at this point. 
Well, at this point, they're no longer uh, using Jim Henson's uh, Creature Shop. They went to some some separate company that did not do a very good job no, they with, did the, not. with the puppets. Although I do have an already IMDb trivia fact for you. I'll allow it. The animatronic heads of Michelangelo and Leonardo from this movie are now in the hands of an obsessed Turtles fan named Michelle Ivy. She bought them for $3,800. Cool. Somebody took the time. The more you know. Submit I bet it was that IMDb. girl. It was probably her, yeah. Who bought it. It's like, I am a boss bitch, and I'm going to write this down. Yeah, I own the faces of Michelangelo <laughs> and Leonardo, and everybody needs to know it. IMDb, tell the world. Some people have way too much free time. <laughs> I think we might and IMDb some consistently of proves that. After the credits are done, we find out that Raphael is pissed about something, but what else is new? Even Splinter leaves because he's tired of Raph's shit. Yeah, he just slams I get it. at the window. He's like, "No, I'm done." <laughs> He's on like the bus thing, isn't he, or whatever it is? Yeah, the bus that's inside the, subway? the tunnel. I it's... don't know how any of this works. Splinter's room is a is a bus inside the sewers. I don't. Nobody knows how any of this works. He's got it better than a lot of rats down there. Well, I mean, I imagine he's like King Rat. It has to be <laughs> just based on size alone. That's not even taking into account ninja moves. Very true. Which we don't know if he could do. That's fair. We'll get there. I can't believe I'm saying that. We'll get there. April O'Neil, played once again by Paige Turco. So, really, when Mike said not the real April, she's got more April hours than the original April. Sure. She's going on vacation. Or so she says. So she brings the turtles gifts before she leaves, like normal people do. She says she got them at a flea market, and it's just bags of trash for the most part. Yeah, Donnie gets a broken radio. Leo gets a book. Mikey gets a lamp and immediately puts the lampshade on his head, which is great. Because it's hysterical. Yeah, and Raphael gets a, a sweet hat, but you know, he's moody, so. <laughs> he won't wear it. April will instead. April also bought a gift for Splinter. It's an ancient Japanese MacGuffin stick. She calls it a weird Japanese antique twice in the span <laughs> of 15 seconds. That's just solid How She's walking away after she brings out, she's like, oh, it's some sort of weird Japanese antique. And then I think it's like Donnie asks, like, oh, what is it? And she's like, it's some weird <laughs> It's a Japanese weird Japanese antique. antique. Don't you listen? You're out of your element, Donnie. <laughs> Back in the past, Kenshin is being scolded by his father, Lord Norinaga, played by Sab Shimona. <laughs> Shimono. I just went full Michael Jackson on that. Uh-huh. Shimona. He's getting scolded for disgracing the family name, but Kenshin's like, Actually, you and your war is what's really disgraced, Dad. (laughs) Their argument gets interrupted by Walker, played by Stuart Wilson, who's an English trader trying to sell Norinaga a bunch of guns, basically. Can I ask you a question about this one? Sure. This is a proper question, which I just don't know the answer to. Stuart fucking Wilson? Uh, He's pretty good in this. On account of us probably not saying it again this episode, I will grant it. He gets the one, if there is one one to give. Absolutely. Stuart fucking Wilson. I'll allow it. He's very evil, and he plays it well. He's He's leaning in. super evil, and he's leaning almost too far in. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) The appropriate amount of in that he should be for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 movie. Three, yeah. (laughs) Three-nage Mutant Ninja Turtles, if you will. That's right. The one about the family. That's right. Kenshin storms off to the temple where he finds an ancient Japanese MacGuffin. Hey, how about that? Except it's 1603, so it's not ancient. It's modern. 
Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's just a Japanese MacGuffin <laughs> stick. Also, there's a scroll that has drawings of turtles on it that happen to be mutant and ninja and possibly teenage. Right, and this is the first time I paused the movie to see how long the movie was, <laughs> and I saw an hour 36, and I went, are you kidding me? Yep. Now, you might be getting excited that this will be explained later on with additional time travel shenanigans, but it won't. We won't get there. <laughs> Thank you for just pulling the rug out from underneath everybody who is just waiting with bated breath. Oh, like, yeah. God, I can't wait for this to come to fruition. How are they going to explain the turtles on the scroll? They won't. They won't. In fact, they make fun of it later. They sure do. As they should. Kenshin holds the scepter and he reads the inscription on it. Open wide the gates of time. That's what she said. Michael Scott, the office. Weird to invoke Michael Scott because you just made me think of Benihana Christmas. Oh, God. Imagine he'd be walking around with a Sharpie if he were in this movie the whole time. <laughs> it's not racist if it's a joke on the show, right? Right. We're good? Well, we're in the clear. <laughs> you're just it's describing a- something that happened in an episode of The Office. I think you're fine. Okay. Whew. Dodge that bullet. Back in the present, April is looking at the scepter and it begins to light up and get all electric-y, like, like she's about to become Thor. I like how it's like spinning and wind is going everywhere and lightning is going everywhere. And she's like, guys, guys. <laughs> and whatever turtle with the lampshade just like, dude, radical, instead of looking at what's actually happening. And being concerned. There's zero concern. None. You'd think if something starts shooting out electricity, you drop it. You should drop it. Naturally, instead, she's transported back in time, and Kenshin takes her place, wearing her clothes, which seems like an unnecessary thing to happen, but it's 1993, and here we are. I like how they explained it, because I wrote, why do they change clothes? And eventually, it comes back. Eventually. It's like, you know what? That's actually okay with me. Yeah, we'll allow it. Immediately, back in the past, April is accused of being a witch, because she has a Walkman, checks out. It does. But then she leans in and says, yeah, I'm a witch, which... When you're in the situation of being accused of being a witch is probably the worst thing that you could say. It's a pretty terrible strategy. Jason Bateman and Dodgeball sitting there going like, I got nothing. That's a terrible (laughs) strategy, Cotton. This will not pay off. I guarantee that this is 1603 Japan. She's going to go down. So they're like, we're going to kill her. And then Walker steps in and he's like, wait, she doesn't have any powers. So instead, she just gets thrown in prison. Right. And we know all this is happening because... Everybody speaks English. Sometimes. When it's appropriate for the audience to hear it. Like when the audience, they're like, (laughs) is the audience listening? All right, speak English. Are they not? And it's just kind of background noise. Speak Japanese. I also like how in some scenes, the people that speak English don't understand English. Until it's their their turn to speak. Which is (laughs) right. It's like, I only know this one line. And this line saying that I don't understand what you're saying. (laughs) Right. This line explains the line. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, that's pretty much this whole movie. Yeah. Back in the present, Kenshin sees the turtles and he's immediately like, shit, demons. Right answer. Yeah. Again. The turtles obviously decide that they need to go back in time to rescue April. They do, and they figure out how this thing works because someone needs to be holding the scepter on one end, someone needs to be holding the scepter on the other end, but it has to be like equal weights equal to make weight this thing work. Yeah. So, oh God, this is timeline fuckery here. <laughs> Someone in 1603 needs to be holding the scepter, four of them now, officially, four of teenage mutant ninja turtle weight in order for them to be transferred through. But it has to be at the same time, even though time is linear. Right. But but it's not. Somehow it connects between these two. Well, Donatello does some calculations, and he says the actual line 
the space-time continuum will be out of phase after 60 hours. So if we don't come back in two and a half days, we're turtle soup. <laughs> it sure does say that. So you know they did the math. Sure. They didn't just round to a number. <laughs> 60. Good Seems enough. Pretty precise. Our good buddy Micah. Knocking out these Facebook questions as we go along here. I like it. He says, if you could pick up a super magic spinny paper lantern thingy and travel to any period for only 72 hours, but you had to go together, me and you, where would it be and why? I know my answer. Oh, I think I would go back to 2018 and go, podcast? Maybe not. (laughs) I kid. I would go back to... 19, was it 89, 88, 87 when the first movie was done? Uh, Yeah, some, somewhere around there. I would go to any 72-hour period where Casey Jones looks young. <laughs> and I would live there. Any 72-hour period. It's, uh, I mean, hey, if you got nostalgia for Casey Jones with real hair, I guess that's your move. <laughs> I only say that because I have a feeling I know what's next. Yeah, uh, the Turtles are going to bring in Casey Jones. Played again by Elias Codius. He's back. To watch over Kenshin and their inevitable replacements. Right. And he doesn't look a day over 45, so good for him. Good job. Just staying young. (laughs) For forever. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like, not Wayne or Garth from Wayne's World, but one of the weird guys in the back seat. Yes. Who looks like they're way too old to be hanging out with Wayne and Garth. Absolutely. He would fit right in there. Uh, It's dream casting. And I can't believe I'm going to say we'll get there. Oh, for no. That weird reference. Because there's a Wayne's World joke in this movie that just dates it so hard. I mean, that's what dates it of all the things. That's a very good point, actually. <laughs> I want to apologize to everybody for wasting your time the past 10 seconds or so, or 130 some odd episodes, whatever it might be. <laughs> Dave, I have another actual IMDb trivia fact for you. Oh, God damn it. Somebody took the time to submit this to IMDb. Casey Jones doesn't fight bad guys in this movie. He only acts as a chaperone for the time travelers. Okay, that's the character in this movie. Full stop. Okay, cool. Thank you. I feel better about wasting everybody's time now (laughs) because I didn't know that was to follow because that was infinitely worse. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, I feel like IMDb only had like 20 facts in this movie, so they... (laughs) They get real weird. Do you have more? I might have one more. Fair enough. Now, but you got me actually a little curious when you said they get weird. Honestly, actually, the last one isn't that bad. Oh, well, thanks for wasting everyone's time, Brian. It's, uh, <laughs> honestly, it's, it seems like it's what I'm best at these days. I'm happy that the Olympics are coming up and the baton is a the relay race <laughs> is a thing, because I feel like we're just passing it at this point. Of yeah, time for wasting. sure. Time wasting. Speaking of, the, of time and whatnot, the turtles yeet themselves back to the 17th century. They sure do. And they're replaced by four of Norinaga's honor guards who are super confused. Uh Uh-huh. And wearing weird underwear, except the one guy, because Mikey is actually super thoughtful. Mikey put on a pair of early 90s pants. Silk boxers. You can just imagine what they look like, and you're right. (laughs) Early 90s pants. Love it. Because he recognized, hey, whoever comes back is going to be wearing these pants. I want to take care of them. Right. So good on Mikey. Good on Mikey. He's surely not going to turn into a piece of shit later in this movie. <laughs> oh, uh, we'll get there. <laughs> back in time, the turtles awake on horseback, mid-battle, in full samurai gear. 
Which raises questions of how the scepter was held by four of the honor guardsmen if they're on horseback. <laughs> you, you need to get off of Stuart Gillard's back right now. I will never. <laughs> Eternal enemy of the show as of now. <laughs> well, I will forget his name by the end of this episode. <laughs> That's how little I care about this man. You have to keep looking over and saying, hey, wait, what was his name again? I need to talk shit about this guy. It's a reason I didn't say his name a lot this episode. I, I will not remember him. Mikey is carrying the scepter, and he's full Dudley Do-Right on his horse. (laughs) And he ends up riding off alone into the forest and gets ambushed by an unknown assailant. More mystery. More mystery. Just what we needed. The others go and search for April at Norinaga's castle, since they're disguised as honor guards. They get in no problem. The turtles manage to find and rescue April, and also free another prisoner named Wit, because April thinks he looks like Casey. And he does, because he's also played by Elias Codius. <laughs> right. They cut him out of the second movie entirely. They're like, we'll make it up to you, because uh, <laughs> the fans love you, I guess, and we'll give you two rules. And Elias Codius is like, have you ever seen me act? And they're like, yes. <laughs> this but Stuart like Gillard wrote and directed this thing, so who gives a damn? <laughs> Speaking of making up for missed movies, the producers actually went to um, Corey Feldman, who was Donatello in the first movie, Sure. But he wasn't in the second movie. Voiced him. He doesn't, he's not in this suit. He's Corey Feldman, let's be real. <laughs> they told him that they felt bad about not casting him for The Secret of the Use, but when Feldman asked for more money than the $1,500 he made on the first movie, they were oh like- Oh my God. Yeah. They were like, well, you were in rehab. So he actually only made 1500 again for this movie. That's amazing. He got the and in the credits. Yeah. I mean, and $1,500. But that's not even the most interesting part about the credits. I can't believe I'm going to talk, talk about the credits here. I can't believe you're going to talk about the credits at brought all. brought it up. I watched them because I wanted to see if there was any weirdness to them. And right away, they delivered. You said that Corey Feldman voiced Donatello. Robbie Rist voiced Michelangelo, cousin Oliver. Right. His name has a registered symbol in the credits. Stop it. I had to look up. You can register a name? And the answer is... Yes, and oh. he did in 1989. He registered his own name. That's phenomenal. Guess what I'm doing after we stop Registering this name? episode? <laughs> uh. It's like jarring to see, because you're like, oh, normal credits, uh-huh, best boy, gaffer, Robbie Rist, register? What? <laughs> Voice of Michelangelo, Robbie Rist, registered trademark. What? <laughs> All right, that's, that's insane. That's absolutely insane. That should be on IMDb. That's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a movie. Nonetheless, the credits, just even there, get into the movie as a whole. It's so bizarre. I think you just broke me. Robbie Rist, registered trademark, broke me. Good luck getting back to your synopsis after that. That mind explosion. (laughs) I'll try. April tells the turtles they got to rescue this wit guy because he looks like Casey and she has the hots for him in the past, too. So she has the, the hots. For, for past and future, that's weird. That is. Maybe he's like an ancestor of Casey. So, you know, I got to protect his lineage. Fair enough. I have no <laughs> idea. The five of them escape, but wind up stranded in the woods with no idea where to go. Not even the woods. They fall in like a bog, and it's real smelly. A bog. I lo- okay. Yeah. And we know it's really smelly because the camera very, very, very slowly pans across all five of them. Telling you how smelly it is <laughs> for a good minute and a half. Wow, this really stinks. <laughs> All right, your turn to say it. 
This is so infuriating to watch. <laughs> uh, back in the present, Kenshin is getting impatient, so Casey puts hockey on TV. As you do, I get it. So back in the past, I feel like I start every part with back in the present, back in the past. Yep, it's a good way to keep track of all this nonsense. Yeah, back in the past, in the woods, the bog, sorry, the stinky bog. Right. The turtles, April and Wit, are looking for Mikey. Finally. They're finally looking for Mikey. He has not mattered since he fell off a horse somewhere or went deadly do, right? And now they're (laughs) and the way they look for him is they're standing at like the side of this river. They're like, Mikey? Hey, Mikey. Mikey? (laughs) He likes it. That's like as much effort as they're putting into this thing. Yeah, it's um it's embarrassing, really. So while they're looking for Mikey, the gang gets attacked by these villagers who mistake the turtles for Norinaga's honor guards. Sure, they're dressed like them. They should. Exactly. Mitsu, played by Vivian Wu, leader of the rebellion against Lord Norinaga, unmasks Raph and sees that he looks just like one of her prisoners. And they're like, wait, you have a prisoner that looks like us? Mikey! How about that? Convenient. (laughs) For some reason, everybody is like really cool with giant talking turtles real quick. They're way too cool with it. Like at first, Even when Mikey got knocked out, how they like unveil him, and it's just a giant turtle with an eye mask laying there. They're like, this is normal. Japan yeah. 1603. You don't know. You don't know what it's supposed to be like. I'm Stuart Gillard. I'm a fucking screenwriting historian, mate. <laughs> well, the best part about that is that uh, feudal Japan is kind of like, like what, the 1100s to 1600. Like, by 1603, it's over. It's gone. It's completely gone. We are no longer feudal. That shit was three years ago. Move on, Stuart. <laughs> You're so stuck in the past, Stuart. Now I see why I wrote it. Never mind. <laughs> I get stuck it Stuck in the past. That was cute. They all go back to Mitsu's village. Mitsu? Mitsu? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Carry on. They get there. It's being burned down by Walker's men. Because of course it is. Because of course. <laughs> The turtles help the villagers save it, and Mikey gets led out by some enemy soldiers, and he joins the fight. And I have another IMDb trivia fact for you. At one point in the movie, one of the turtles refers to Walker, played by Stuart Wilson, as the Zorro dude. Wilson later starred in The Mask of Zorro as Zorro's arch nemesis, Don Rafael Montero. Sure did. How about that? Neat. Sure. They also call him Clint Eastwood, and he looks nothing like Clint Eastwood. Not even close to it. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. (laughs) IMDB. References! (laughs) Walker retreats, but the fire continues to burn and has trapped a young boy inside a house. Michelangelo saves the kid from the fire. Then Leonardo performs CPR, saving the kid and earning the trust of the villagers, even though... As far as they're concerned, a demon turtle just made out with a dead child and he came back to life. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> watching a, a grown man in a turtle costume do mouth to mouth on a young child is one of the most unnerving things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's awful, especially when the entire crowd around him is not familiar with C- what CPR is. and Not even close They're to like, it. he's casting a, a demon spell on this child. and. <laughs> April's just like, trust him. And that's that's as far as that's that goes. That's good enough for, for them, I guess. It's this random woman we've never met until this very moment has said, oh, no, trust the demon. It's going to suck <laughs> the death out of your child or whatever may happen. Wow. I can only imagine what was going through their heads if this was real and not written by Stuart Gillard. I have to imagine being on set that day was just 
the most awkward thing in the world. Oh, yeah, for everybody involved. Y- including the child. The child has probably been in therapy since 1993. Travis A. Moon, who's, I don't know if he's acted since. And you know what? I would understand. How could you? He probably hasn't slept since. If you could pick out <laughs> Travis A. Moon anywhere because you just have bags under his eyes. Like, I'm not going to sleep. You fucking kidding me? Oh, there's a turtle. He's going to try to kiss me. God, you thought Freddy was bad? Try getting made out with from a weird, not Jim Henson, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle coming at you. Yeah, it's terrifying. Terrifying. He'll never sleep again. Never. Never ever. Lord Norinaga and Walker are discussing the price of weapons. And Norinaga mentions that demons that resemble the turtles once tried to end his reign. So Walker raises... I don't know. It's on the scrolls. (laughs) It is on the scrolls. But when? I don't know. Maybe we'll get there. We won't. That means there's other turtles that have in the past tried to ruin his reign. Possibly time-traveling turtles. But complicated. we won't find out. So. We will not find out. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Walker hears that this guy thinks these guys are demons, and he's like, all right, it's going to cost you more for the guns. Just capitalism it's at its finest right there. Man, really. Yeah. Great villain. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart fucking Wilson. At least one of right. the Stewarts here is doing their job. Right. Donatello decides to have a replica scepter made so they can go back home. I don't think that's how it works. I I don't know, but I mean, the scepter had to come from somewhere. That's bananas. We're in the past. Instead of trying to look for the scepter, retracing their steps, talking to these 1603 Japanese people who speak perfect English, (laughs) asking them where they found the weird giant turtle man in the woods, and going back there to find the scepter that's probably around there somewhere, they decide, nay, find me a blacksmith. Now, what we should do is make a new one. Surely this blacksmith knows everything about time travel. <laughs> Look, I've drawn up the schematics from holding it once. I don't even know what that's about. It's not even schematics. It's just a picture. It's a drawing. Yeah. Doc Brown in Back to the Future Part 3 had more to work off of because he was the future one who was in the past at that point. So he was just like, yeah, I got it. 1.21 gigawatts. Exactly. No problem. Well, this 1603 Japanese blacksmith Smarter than Doc Brown. That's what they always say. He was like, I see your drawing of a of a torch of some sort, and I will I will make you a time travel device. No problem. No problem. No questions asked. I got you, boo. While that's going on, Michelangelo teaches some people about pizza and frisbees. And then he tries to console Mitsu about the missing Kenshin, whom she is in love with, but also Mikey may be in love with her. It's unclear. Just like the rest of this movie. Fits right in. Raph needs something to do, so he starts hanging out with Yoshi, the the former dead fire boy. <laughs> and he teaches the kid how to control his temper, which is ironic. It sure is. How about that? In the present, Casey challenges the honor guards to a game of hockey. But based on what they saw on TV, the honor guards just think hockey is about beating each other up. It's a funny enough scene. It's, I mean, there's a reason I included it. Perfect. I know how picky you can get sometimes. (laughs) Kenshin and Splinter grow more worried that the turtles won't return in time because, you know, 60 arbitrary hours. I mean, 60 hours because math. This movie doesn't care. Neither should you. (laughs) That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, that's fair. Back in the past, the replica scepter is completed, but an argument between Michelangelo and Raphael ends up breaking it. To make matters worse, Mitsu informs the turtles that Lord Norinaga has agreed to purchase Walker's guns and will attack the village in the morning. How are you finding that out? I have no idea. She didn't leave the town. 
No. Does she have like a raven or something that comes and lands on her shoulder? Maybe. And it's like, Caw! guns! <laughs> she just bursts in the room like, he bought the guns. He's going to be here in the morning. Like, Good night, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I found this receipt lying on the ground in the woods next to this weird <laughs> lamp thing that was spinning. It was lightning. I don't know. But it said, uh, guns, money. That's got to be it. That night, Raphael visits Yoshi and gives him a yo-yo. And Yoshi's like, oh, thanks. You should have this scepter thing <laughs> because you're going to die. <laughs> and you should go home before that happens. This kid gets so fucking dark. He because does. Raph's just like, oh, yeah, I mean, we can hang out with this yo-yo. It's pretty cool it's awesome you could do walk the dog you have dogs in japan right i don't know i don't know anything about this culture i'm Stuart gillard <laughs> but then the kid's just like nah dude you're gonna die tomorrow like this is weird talking to you it's like i'm looking at a future ghost and i don't like it he knows that because he was dead from the fire before he's know. seen the future because i don't know how future ghosts work. leo sucked the death out of him <laughs> right <laughs> so naturally he gives the scepter over uh, problem solved. Great. Yeah, the turtles are like, "Oh, cool, the scepter. We can, we can go." But they're also, you know. they're also really mad at Mitsu for hiding it from them to force him to fight in the war. And she doesn't say a word. She could easily just be like, "I didn't do that." But instead, she just leaves. And her grandfather <laughs> shows up, and he's like, "Ah, oh, it was, it was me actually. I hit it, so you would fight for her because you know she's my granddaughter. I don't want her to die. But you guys can die. That's fine. But your great granddaughter, great grandson, Yoshi, whatever he is." Yeah, you know. Totally okay watching him die and get molested by a turtle. <laughs> I want to go on record and say, grandparents, they're cool. Great grandparents. Be skeptical. <laughs> Too far removed from my taste. I don't trust you, old timer. Not at all. If you are dead <laughs> on the ground, they will let a stranger mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> if you mouth to mouth, you will never sleep again. That's what makes You'll them You'll be so alive great. for forever. Great grandparents, you're on blast. Yeah, we're not afraid to say it. Not at all. <laughs> so Wit, yeah, he's still here. He betrays everybody, and he captures Mitsu and takes the scepter. A classic double cross. How about that? He had to do something in this movie besides be there. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> <laughs> the turtles return to Norinaga's palace to save Mitsu, and uh, they rescue her pretty easily, but then they're cornered by Norigana. Norinaga. I can't read anymore you're doing great i'm <laughs> i've never been more proud of you thanks a huge battle commences and leonardo hasn't done anything for a while so he gets to defeat lord norinaga in a sword duel and he, he cuts his hair and traps him in a bell uh, the bell falls down yes. and comically lands on norinaga and then donnie hits it with the bow staff and says ah rings a bell because <laughs> nothing else matters metallica <laughs> screenwriting <laughs> The turtles are then surrounded by Walker's men with their guns. Right, and the turtles and the rest of this movie says, guns, ah, we're dead now, they got guns. Not like the turtles have guns aplenty in New York City 1993 or anything like that. Yeah, uh. they, they treat guns like it's this brand new scientific discovery, <laughs> which at the time it is, but they're just like, well, fuck. Ah, shit, they got guns. You guys are done. I, I don't know how to tell you this. They got guns now. We're not used to this stuff in the mean streets of New York. <laughs> They're not a bebop and rock steady. I'm out. I'm used to fighting random ninjas in the streets of New York, not people with guns. Right. I think the whole premise for, for these turtles is kind of insane, isn't it? It is completely insane. 
Walker commands Wit to shoot the turtles, and he refuses. So Walker's like, all right, well, then you get in there with the turtles in April. Oh, yeah, April. April is still here. She made uh, Kenshin's- I forgot that she's still here. <laughs> she made Kenshin's kimono into like a makeshift skirt. Schwing! That is an actual line in this movie where she like cuts it, and she like her legs are showing. Yep. To which the turtles go, schwing. And that just raises so many questions. It does. But at the same time, it gives me a chance to resurrect an old segment which we have not done in a very long time. Oh, I'm excited. This shouldn't surprise anybody, but there's a porn parody for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh, no. And it is called 10-Inch Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Triple X Parody. <laughs> Brian, why would you take a sip of your drink while I'm about to read a porn parody name? <laughs> have you never done this before? I wasn't ready. <laughs> That's the closest I've ever been to a spit take on this show. <laughs> yes, it was. I watched that happen. <laughs> the premise of this. Oh, oh, goody. I mean, I, I could read it. But let's watch it instead. No. Well, sort of, because there is a trailer. And I'm going to let them tell you the premise of this instead. No. It was many moons ago. 18 years worth below the city. There were four regular turtles. But then a horny dude that worked at the <laughs> nuclear power plant, his radioactive sperm fell into the sewer and onto the turtles. Over time, the turtles grew, especially in the lower shell area. <laughs> No. You know which porn is the best porn? Pizza guy porn. Pizza guy porn. It's one of my favorite things ever written, ever. Oh my god. <laughs> the movie is directed, of course, by Lee Roy Myers. Oh, not Stuart Gillard. Of course not. Uh, it's 31 minutes long. It's produced by April O'Neil and Seth's Beard. <laughs> okay. It stars. April O'Neil. I guess her porn name is the same as the actress. I don't I don't know. That's convenient. It's got Chad Alva. I'm not going to read the porn star's names. I can't do that. That's not what we're all here for. <laughs> he plays Casey Bones. Naturally. And Michelangelo. <laughs> There's also Spreader. Naturally. Master Sphincter. <laughs> and Rafalis. Oh, no. There's Leonardo. Yep. And Dongatello. <laughs> Dongatello. Oh, and Leroy Myers plays Dongatello and Master Sphincter. How about that? Oh, the what? man, he could do it behind the camera and in front of the camera. They call Don't that, say Leroy Myers can't do it all. They call that the double threat. <laughs> or the double something. I don't know what yeah, in it's... that world. But there you go. Wow. It has 20 reviews on IMDb. Does it, it has really? a 7.0 out of 10. Nice. So there you go. That's got to be higher than this movie. If you want to watch the trailer, I will not post it on Facebook. I have a feeling we'll get banned. <laughs> go look it up for yourself. It is the 10-inch Mutant Ninja Turtles. They look terrifying. <laughs> I guess you're welcome. And in Forrest Gump style, that's all I have to say about that. I missed that segment. I'm glad you brought it back. I was not prepared. Please carry on with the more boring movie. Sure. Uh... Leonardo goads Walker into shooting him and reminds everyone that they're demons. 
And Walker's like, okay, cool, but I'm going to use a cannon. <laughs> yep. So Leo ducks into his shell, and the cannonball hits the bell. And then, you know, you get a, a frazzled Lord Norinaga popping his head out comedically. Is this the first time we ever saw a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle go into their shell? Maybe. It feels like it is, because it was odd. I went, oh, you can do that. I think okay. they might have done it in the first or second movie to like dodge a, a roundhouse kick or something. I'm not going to remember it. That's fine. Yeah. I bet it was awesome then, too. Walker takes the scepter, and he flees to his boat. But then he's cornered by the turtles at the dock, so he throws the scepter into the air as a distraction, and the turtles catch it, and Wit launches a fireball from a catapult at him and knocks him off the dock, presumably to his death. Walker has the chance to throw this thing into the ocean and really mess up their whole plans, but instead he's like, no, I'm going to throw it just into a tough-to-catch spot. You can still catch it. It's going to buy me enough time to not do anything. And then also die because of that and character. And also die. That I also forgot was in the movie. Oh, boy. So now the Turtles have, have won the day, and they're ready to return to their own time. But Mikey says he, he would rather stay with, with Mitsu. And you know what, Dave? It's because of all the chemistry they have from all those romantic scenes. <laughs> I mean, sparks are flying. Everybody They're knows it. Songs about it still today. Ah, that green guy and that other girl. I mean, even Marie Curie is jealous at the chemistry between these two. Oh. She can never achieve that. Wow, jokes are getting real good. That's a science <laughs> joke. We've sunk that far. I feel like you really sold it with the with the porn parody, and now we're just trying to reel it all in for the just get through the get rest to the of finish. <laughs> Raphael decides that he wants to stay, too, because he feels that the turtles are actually appreciated in Japan, unlike back at home, where they live in a sewer. But April's like, no, come on, guys. We gotta, we gotta go back. You guys can't stay here. And then Kenshin, in present day, he gets impatient, and he activates the scepter. And now everybody's like, oh, no, we gotta hurry. Including all the Japanese guys in present time, too, because they're saying goodbye, and they don't want to leave. They're having such a good time. They're having a blast with Casey and TV. They love TV so much. Mitsu tells Mikey to go home. She's in love with Kenshin. Get out of here, you weird turtle. That's the way to do it, though. It's never going to work. I watched your blue turtle kiss a child. Frankly, I can't see me doing that for the rest of time. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't like... I wasn't, go back to your time. I wasn't jealous of Yoshi. I need a few hundred years of space between you and your weirdness. At least. Which is the right answer. Yeah. Michelangelo reluctantly agrees to go home with his brothers but he just misses grabbing the scepter in time. Well, because he's saying goodbye to the Yoshi kid, and he's just like, hey, you be cool, dude. Let's do our super secret handshake together. And, oh, no! Oh, darn it. I, I missed my, my trip home on the, the ancient pole. Right, on the SS pole. The SS MacGuffin. <laughs> but I like how you have that moment of we get back to present time, and he's not there. And like, I like how he missed the boat. Yeah, and... and Splinter's like, uh, Michelangelo? And they're like, ah, oh, shit, Mikey. He didn't make it. And then you see the other Japanese guy who was supposed to switch places with him. And they all yell. He takes the scepter. I almost called it the sphincter because the porn parody's still in my brain. Yeah. How yeah. he takes it and he runs up the ladder and he's just like, ah, oh, I'm going to run away with the scepter thing. Because TV. Like, Where are you going? <laughs> and then, of course, because this movie is just racing to the finish, we see a flash of light come out of the manhole. Of the ladder he just climbed up. And then Mikey climbs down. And Mikey climbs down, and they're just like, oh, Mikey, I missed you so much, dude. Oh, it's been like 20 seconds since we saw you, bro. 
Also, the scepter is totally burnt out, so he's lucky he got it in time. This movie finally set up stakes for itself and drama, and then it's like, nah. Nah, you know what? Nah. We could have had like a whole other story where they had to go back further in time to stop him the first time so that he come on that scroll and then get Mikey and return. No, we're just going to. Oh, and he went up into the sewer and then a flash of light happened and Mikey was home. I like to imagine that the producers of this movie, they treated this part of the movie a lot like the dead Yoshi kid. And, <laughs> and Leonardo's about to lean down and do mouth to mouth on this movie. And the producers are like. No. We can't do no, that no, again. No. no, no, no. We can't do this again. Three's enough. Let this one die. <laughs> Three Nage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> exactly. The final Four family Nage chapter. <laughs> In the past, Norinaga surrenders to Mitsu and Kenshin, and they do the kiss. They sure do, and it's natural. So natural. These two people who have not been in a scene together the entire movie. They managed to make two humans kissing in this movie weird. And it had, well, they had more chemistry than Michelangelo and Mitsu. So. I will give you that. In the present, Michelangelo is bummed out for obvious reasons. But Splinter's like, hey, come on. I'll put the lampshade on my head and do the Elvis thing. And <laughs> I'm funny now. Everybody has a, has a good time, right? And then they, they do another dance. And that's, that's the movie. That's the movie. That's it. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, Mike Lanham's version of the movie was better. I wish Mike Lanham wrote and directed this thing. Because <laughs> Stuart Gillard, you deserve Charmed. <laughs> After this. I don't know that Charm deserves him. That's fair. This is a movie, if nothing else. For sure. It's so long. It's insanely long for a 96-minute movie. <laughs> it feels long. I. It's mostly interesting, I'll say. I think I agree with that. I mean, I put up with it, if nothing else also, but uh, I mean, the movie just keeps dragging on. They keep introducing new things that never get resolved. Yeah. They keep giving excuses for the turtles to do and say things and just interrupt themselves. They get yes. in their own way more than anything, and it's so annoying to watch. I almost didn't go back the second night to finish the movie. I just assumed I knew what happened and then stopped. And then that happened, probably. Kind of. More I, or less. I really thought they were going to explain how the turtles got on the scroll, but that, no. <laughs> All those jokes in the, in the synopsis were mostly for me. Because this movie didn't have any. Not naturally written. It was rough. This is a bit rough. I understand why they killed it after this. This has got to be the end. Yeah, end they, of the road. They were supposed to do a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4. Uh, they were going to call it the new mutation. And the turtles were supposed to mutate further because to they still what? have the ooze in their system. I don't know. Less turtly and more humanoid? I don't know. They were also going to- more turtly. Maybe. I mean, they started as turtles. Maybe the, the final mutation is going back to turtles. They were also going to introduce a fifth turtle named Kirby. I got Cousin Oliver. That's why they got Robbie Wrist. And then Perfect. they decided not to do the movie, and instead they did a TV show called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Next Mutation, where they introduced Venus, the girl turtle. All right. And they got some Lola Bunny things going on there, I feel like. It's also the series where they decided they're actually not family after all. Oh, my God. Even though they call them brothers the whole way through this The thing? whole way through. This is like, it's funny because it was supposed to be continuity from the, the cartoon, but instead they picked up all of the design cues from the movies and all the story from the movies. And they're like, but also we're not really brothers because we have to hit on the new girl turtle. <laughs> oh my God. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles becomes a mess. Absolutely. Eventually. I think they just stopped trying because they're just making so much money on merchandise. They're like, we don't really have to write story. We don't have to do anything at this point. 
Uh, we got one vile lose, let's say, and we got four brothers here. And if we want to do one more, we can do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4. And we could just pretty much go like, oh, I live my life one ooze vial at a time. <laughs> We're family. <laughs> we'll split this little quarter it up. Become new mutations. After time travel, they didn't know how to raise the stakes anymore. You can't. You're done. Other than girl turtle. <laughs> <laughs> That's their master story stroke. It's no longer about family. It's about girl turtles. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> You know what? The world deserves 10-inch Mutant Ninja Turtles. It does. It really does. Honestly, canon in my mind. Which came out in 2016, might I add. Shut up. Yeah, it's not like it came out in the past. It came out after like, oh, the turtles that time forgot pretty much, and then they got brought back in animated form. They're like, you want to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I feel like the production (laughs) value has to be higher than this then. I don't know. The budget for this thing is $21 million. Opening weekend, it did $12 million. Overall, it did $42 million. I guess it's a hit, but you know they sold a crazy amount of toys. Oh, an insane amount of toys. I had one of the the samurai turtle action figures for sure. Just one? Just one. Because there's a whole set of them. Oh, yeah. You could buy them on eBay right now. The whole set of all the turtles, two horses, a bunch of weapons, a bunch of Japanese folk. The horses? Yeah, and you also get April with her cutoff skirt thing. Schwing. Yeah, 140 bucks. They make sure to say it's used. <laughs> Again, schwing. <laughs> so I want to uh, thank the weirdo in Lambertville, New Jersey, for selling that. <laughs> Had to be Jersey. <laughs> I guess the thing I got to ask you next is Rotten Tomatoes 1 to 100. What do you think? A max of like 20. Max of like 23. Oh, wow. Audience score, 34. Stop it, audience. <laughs> Roger Ebert said, not going to bother. Uh, smart. But Hal Hinson reviewed this thing January 1st, 2000. He said, new millennium, I lived. Y2K, Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> I've cheated death. I might as well go review this thing. I guess I'll punish myself. <laughs> I have to imagine 1993 Hal Hinson of the Washington Post just sitting there going like, no. Ebert didn't review it. I'm not going to either. You know what? If I survive Y2K, I'll watch this thing. Yeah. And then he did. And he says, if the first sequel was a photocopy of the original, the second sequel is a tracing of a photocopy. It's the same business twice removed and twice diminished. Yeah. uh, It's a Xerox of a Xerox. Pretty much all it is. But also the Xerox got sent back in time for reasons. Well, you know, Xeroxes. That's exactly how do they work? (laughs) It's like Back to the Future Part 2, where he sent the letter to Marty in the the future. How they held on to it right. for a long-ass time, and they're like, oh, I didn't think you'd show up, and I didn't think they'd make a Teenage Mutant Turtles 3, so I get where that guy was coming from. Makes sense. The Stuart Gillards on Amazon.com. <laughs> they gave this thing a 4.6 out of 5. How dare they? There's 1,700 reviews. That's so many. 80% are 5-star, 3% are 1-star. Too many. Most of them were pretty pissed off about the DVD pack because it came one, two, three, all three Turtles movies. And they're like, all right, I guess we got three. I don't know why. I'm so mad. I just want the one. About I, don't, the, I don't know the why. The package either. deal. Why is it subtitled Turtles in Time? That's a video game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so for those of you who do subscribe to Patreon, which should be all of you at this point. Come on, guys. We've openly told the people on Patreon they're our favorites, and we stand by it. Yeah. Here, out in the open. It's put out there. If you want to hear us say it, you got to be on Patreon. We'll call you a favorite. We'll call you out by name as the, being a favorite. It's true. 
We're very easy to please. On our Chasing Amy episode that we did for July this month, they were privy to a new segment. We found the home of trolls for the most part. (laughs) We're just the funniest people on the internet, maybe. It's possible. (laughs) Everything that these people touch, it's like shit-covered gloves that are also holding gold. I don't know. (laughs) Some kind of weird scepter of amazing shit. But the people who reside on Letterboxd. Ah, yes. Which is us. You can go see our letterbox, see what we rated movies that we've talked about, but Letterboxd, anyone can review stuff. And I don't have to sift through all the Amazon.com, I don't know how to return this type (laughs) situation, like the customer service things. The box was damaged when it arrived. We just get right down to the business here. All they talk about is the movie. So let me give you some Letterboxd reviews. Oh yeah, let's unbox it. From June 25th, 2020. Oh, boy. Every shot of Splinter is sitting down or through a window. Were they pregnant while filming? (laughs) I told you we'd get there. Oh, my God. (laughs) Splinter's pregnant. I love it. That's my favorite fan theory of all time. From July 14th, 2021. Kurosawa's been real quiet since this came out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. These are too good. (laughs) <laughs> I love it so much. Did we make a mistake? I don't know how to react to these other than just laughter. From March 25th, 2021. Best one. They're all like Deadpool. I wouldn't care if Donatello died. <laughs> what? <laughs> to be fair. I don't even know what that means. They're all like Deadpool. And also Donatello. I got to get back to my time. They don't have microchips back here. Donatello went back to his time. No questions asked. Donatello didn't do anything in this movie besides ring a bell. Also, he found out they had 60 hours. That's true also. Nerd deserves to die, I guess. He's my favorite. Usually, in this movie, he's useless. Very fair. And let's continue this weird runner, because from May 27, 2021, Akira Kurosawa walked so the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles could run. (laughs) No. <laughs> oh, you people are awful. I love you. <laughs> they sure are. Just to prove how awful they are, from February 20th, 2021, why do the turtles have herpes? <laughs> I thought they were Morgan Freeman age spots. Oh, God. <laughs> why does Morgan Freeman have herpes? <laughs> to show that they've grown since the last movie. I guess so. They do have obvious spots everywhere and weird bumps on their noses and stuff sometimes herpes weird it It, is very weird it might as well be and the last one i have to complete the runner from june 8th 2021 i'm glad i'm not the only one who watched seven samurai and thought this would be so much better if the teenage mutant ninja turtles were in this (laughs) oh we all thought it but we all thought it we didn't say it. only Stuart gillard had the balls (laughs) Oh, what's that you say? Film history? Akira Kurosawa, Seven Samurai, one of the best films ever made? Radical, dude. (laughs) Oh, wow. I have to imagine that the day that this came out, Akira Kurosawa, who was very much alive at the time, bought his cemetery plot, (laughs) dug his own hole, and just started rolling around in it. Yeah, that's fair. Just saying, I'm just getting ready. Just Just preparing for eternity. So thank you, Letterboxd, for giving us the gift that is going to keep on giving. That's amazing. Were those all half-star reviews, or? 
they were all over the place. There's two stars, three stars, half stars, one stars. You name it, they're all over the place. I love it. So going off of that, let's give this thing a superstar. <laughs> what else is there to do? We start off with story and motivation. What is it? Uh, April accidentally sends herself back in time, and they have to go rescue her. Cool. And then, you know, right. Mikey goes missing, and they don't care about that until they do. And then they, I don't know. Um, honestly, I think this thing has more attention to story than the previous two movies. Oh, without a doubt. But it's not as much fun. It's not as much fun, but I also don't think this movie cares about what happens to the future, because even at a point, one of the turtles, I don't care who at this point anymore, like sits on a frog. He's like, oh, I hope that wasn't an ancestor. And it's like, you do legit need to worry about that. <laughs> I actually don't think they do in this in this universe. I don't think I think time is a is a loop in this universe. Hence why they weren't they didn't know why they were on the scroll, even though it was clearly them. It was very clear in a so- future adventure of theirs farther in the past. You're saying that this sets up its own rules for time travel within the world that it's created that it just doesn't affect whatever they do doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's easier than thinking that they had some sort of effect on their present. Very true, and for that reason I can't believe I'm going to go point 0.5. Point 0.5 is generous and I'm here for it. Heroes. I know they're called Heroes in a Half Show. Turtle Power. I <laughs> no. No, uh I feel like several times in this movie, they forget that one of the turtles exists and goes, oh, yeah, we got to give uh, Donnie something to do now. Oh, right. Leo needs to do something now. That happens way too often. I, I feel like it's most of the movie. <laughs> I'm going to go 0.25 because they do save the day. And that's as high as I'm going. I cannot go higher. Nope. Wit saves the day. I'm going to go zero. Zero. I agree. Wit saves the day. Or at least Wit does the murder at the end of this thing to resolve the issue. Well, in that case, that I mean, doesn't that keep the turtles even more heroic because they haven't done the murder? No, because also the the dad man who's very bad in the bell, yeah. he comes back at the end. Yeah, and he's like son, but he submits so, to his his son and his girlfriend, even though they hand him the. So scepter. the turtles did nothing. Nothing at all. Zero. Okay, it's a zero. Villains. We gave Stuart Wilson a fucking. We absolutely did. I'm going to go point two five for the fucking. I think that's the best we can do here. <laughs> Something. Yeah, g- good job, Walker. Good job. They even we gave, gave you a him... middle name, and we're going to give you points because of the middle name we gave you. <laughs> because you were the best part of this movie somehow. Uh-huh. I can't believe it either. That leads us to teamwork. They leave Michelangelo kidnapped. They forget about for Michelangelo the for the majority of the movie, <laughs> and they only start looking for him. Like if I went out in my backyard right now and I started going like Jean Benet Ramsey, where are you? <laughs> That's pretty much how they treat Michelangelo in this movie. It it's is. Like, you're not going to get anywhere. You don't know where you are. You don't know where anyone is. You might as well just start shouting random names out. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. That's. That's good. So are we saying zero for teamwork? I think we're saying zero for teamwork. They're, uh, they're, they don't work well together. They don't even have like that cool moment that all the team-up movies have at the end where they, they do the thing together to beat the villain. They, <laughs> right. They're just four individual, oh yeah, I'm here twos. They catch the scepter, and then they pull whatever turtle caught it back onto the ledge, and Witch just goes, pew, pew. end of movie. Honestly, I imagine the honor guards, when they were all holding the scepter at the same time, running into battle on their horses, had better teamwork. Holding the thing together for, I don't know why. I don't know. It's the I only way it would have worked, out. though, right? <laughs> You're right. Oof. 
That brings us to female characters. April O'Neil is a reporter. Yes. I cannot state that enough. She reports. That, not even reporting, reporting involves investigative journalism, <laughs> figuring out your surroundings, asking the right questions, right. understanding the people around you, having an idea for like, you know, sociology, trying to figure out your surroundings. Yeah. She could not be any worse at that in this movie. Well, to be fair, she's on vacation. She's very checked out. <laughs> You're right. I'm going to give her a 0.25 because she does say she's on vacation. She doesn't give a damn. Yeah. Um, she pretty much wrote herself out of the movie in the right way. <laughs> and there's also Mitsu, who is the leader of this rebellion. She's pretty badass. And I don't- Is she? I think she is. Yeah. I don't see any any flaws with her character. She even tells Michelangelo to pound sand when he's like, I'm going to stay with her. I'll go 0.25, like I said. I think that's, I, that's fair. And I think that's still generous. That's, yep. Considering this movie has like a thousand people in it and two of them are women. Yeah. That's yep. generous is, is an understatement. Setting. Is it Japan? They say There's it no is. There's no way. It's not even New York. They never go above ground. We're just in a studio set underground the whole time. We're always in that lair in the subway or sewers. It's the cleanest sewer I've ever seen. I mean, they say Japan, but then they're speaking English the entire time. When convenient. I'm going to go 0.25 again. Again, generous, but I'll accept it. And it's just because I'm going more off the time yeah. where they said, this is the future, this is the past. That's it. Yeah. There was a, a surprising lack of accidental technology in the past scenes. Right. The past people got freaked out by a Walkman. They sure and did. And that's good enough for me. That works. Called her a witch. 0.25 for setting. Style and tone. If what? What style? The, what tone? The red filter in the first 30 seconds of the movie. Oh, God. That Not even 10 Cinematically seconds. perfect. I follow two things on Twitter. I follow a lot more than that. But two things specifically I follow on Twitter. One's called One Perfect Shot. It's a great Which one. has beautiful shots just all the time. Some of those famous film shots in history. And the one is called One Less Than Perfect Shot. <laughs> which has, well, the opposite. I love it. And I have to imagine that with some context... The first shot of this movie should be on that Twitter page of the red shot turning into when they pull the filter. <laughs> yes. And it turns into the, the bright blue and green and all that stuff. Yeah, whatever that mid-yellow shot is deserves to be on that Twitter. And even with the style and tone, I use sound effects to describe how wit defeats the enemy. That's of true. Pew! Mostly because we don't even see it for the most part. He shoots a rock. Into a post, yeah, and that happens to knock the walker off. It's like fireball from a catapult because we don't see it. We don't see anything in this movie. Even the fight scenes, we, I mean, they punch and kick and allegedly, it's silly. silly. Everything is silly in this movie. Yeah, all the action is off screen, and that's an interesting choice for a ninja movie. Zero, zero for style and tone. Sorry, Stewart, I'm not music. Oh, God, I couldn't tell you what's in this movie. John Duprez is back from the first two movies, and he made an interesting stylistic choice of not doing a theme song. And for that, I say negative one. That is heavy if you want to invoke Back to the Future yet again. I feel like the Turtles have one thing going for them when it comes to music, and it is that theme song. Even the porn parody used the theme song. You know, I mean... I'm going to go with the uh, negative one. Fine. Negative one. Wasn't hard. To invoke the porn parody again. There he goes. Yeah. <laughs> One-liners. Now, 
I want to tell you what this movie thinks it should get, <laughs> which is a three. It thinks it deserves it. It does. This is an easy zero. It is. Uh, there's nothing memorable from this movie. The the best one-liner from this movie is just taken from Wayne's World. <laughs> yep, which is wild. <laughs> and finally, impact on the genre. None. Zero. It has to be a zero. There's nothing happening after this thing. It killed the turtles. For a long time. For a decade. Yep. Now, if this was Walk Hard on the Patreon, we'd probably give it a very high score for that. No, Walk Hard didn't kill the genre by design, but it happened to because it was so damn good. It was good. so well done that it, yeah, and we did give a 1-5 for Walk Hard. Little peek into the Patreon there for you non-subscribers who are not our favorites. Right, our, our non-favorites. That's what we call <laughs> the normies. Our non-favorites. Uh, I'm going to go zero here. Still a zero. That's going to give the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 an appropriate super stuff score of 0.25. Nailed it. Dead on. We've never been more accurate in our lives. It's positive, but barely. <laughs> it's like when you. I feel like that makes the movie tolerable. <laughs> it's like when you have to give something at least one star when you're rating it. It's like, I would have given this zero stars, but they make me give it at least one. Exactly. Amazon.com, as we're all very familiar with. 0.25. After review. For Turtles 3. Oh, man. I guess the next question I have to ask you is, what are we talking about next week? Next week, because we're back to weekly regular episodes. No silly MCU TV show shenanigans happening here. We're talking about Sin City. It's been on my list for a long, long, long time. Robert Rodriguez is back, but with Frank Miller this time co-directing. I love it. I absolutely love it, too. And uh, we're going to have a good time talking about that one. It's a really, really interesting movie. I haven't seen it in probably five years at this point. I think it's been at least 10 since I've seen it. So I'm curious to dive back into that one for sure. Yeah, I remember. And Bruce Willis! And Bruce, Bruce Willis is back! Ah, oh, I love me some Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is my shit! <laughs> I'm curious to see how it holds up because I remember 300 didn't fare so well. So No, no, it did not. Uh, we're going to find out the hard way next week. We sure will. Until then. Thank you for listening. We're so happy to be back doing the real episodes. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us right now. Click that subscribe button so you get all of our goodies first thing Monday morning. And you don't have to be like, wait, did a new episode come out? Let me check Facebook. Yeah, there's been a new episode every single Monday since October 2018. Yeah, wow. That's silly. Even when we were That's, on a break, we did yeah. six weeks of, of episodes on Monday morning. So Exactly. We took a Ross and Rachel break. They weren't on a break. Oh, hot take. It is a hot. It's not a hot it's take. It's not at because all. Because Hugh Laurie, in an episode of Friends, says, just letting you know, doesn't sound like you guys were on a break. And I was like, Hugh Laurie, high five. And he couldn't because he was on the TV screen. If House you says it, then you TV know screens. it's true. He's the best at diagnosing this, that kind of stuff. It's true. <laughs> Be sure to like and follow us on all of our social media, at Kate Podcasters. We're on the Facebook. We're on the Instagram. We're on the Twitter. Speaking of Facebook. We got so many people who wrote it. Let's hear it. Michael P.S. Warren. He wants to know, which Turtles villain best represents you? Ooh, I am a Bebop, 100%. I'm a rock steady. Oh, this, this is checks out match fully. <laughs> I don't know how we did that. Oh, man. <laughs> that worked out pretty well. Now, there was actually a girl in college who called me Bebop, and I hated it, but now I've There was a girl it. in college who called me Rocksteady. She didn't. I was no one ever say, did. I was like, That's such a cool name. Damn, Dave. 
<laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, she called me rock steady. Never been uttered in anyone's life. That's <laughs> no, there's not a, me. There's a porn parody about it too. <laughs> if Rocksteady's not in that porn parody, then I will not watch it. Not in that porn parody. It's not right. But I have a good feeling that the kid Yoshi, who got the mouth to mouth, oh no, and lived in this film, oh no, weirdly enough, might be sleeping better. Oh, okay. And anyone who watches the porn parody, Whew. yeah, I watched it. I watched it. Oh no, <laughs> because. Brian's cousin, Mitch, <laughs> formerly of Nerdy Thursday, said, you can't bring up the porn parody without watching. And I went, I'm a professional. You're right, Mitch. You know what? For science. I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight. I'm unsure. I'm worried for you. <laughs> that also explains how you knew so quickly that Rocksteady was not in it. Not in it. <laughs> can confirm. <laughs> oh, boy. Matt Cowan says... I always like the scene when Casey Jones shows the Japanese guys hockey. Yeah, it's great. Looks like he turned on a New York Islanders game. Fuck yes, Matt Cowan. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> and that is how you fillet the host of the podcast. That's absolutely <laughs> Through your Facebook right. comments. Well done, Matt. My favorite of the favorites. Wow. High praise. I have to claim it now. He, he invoked the New York Islanders. Of course I'm going to claim that. That's fair, I guess. And now we should probably get to the book that is Phil Hawkins. <laughs> he wrote three because this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Question one. If you had to create a fifth turtle, which they did eventually, yep. to join the team, what would their weapon and which Renaissance artist would they be named after? Oh. Answer this first. It's, he, he left instructions. <laughs> he sure did. Answer this first. Uh, I'm going with Rembrandt, I, mostly because I just talked about Friends, and think, they did the theme song. I think that's the fair. The Rembrandts, yeah. But I don't know if he's a Renaissance artist, so to say. I, don't, I just like saying Rembrandt. I don't know that he is. So I guess it would have to be, first of all, there's no yellow turtle, right? So it's got to be a yellow headband. That was the next question Phil had. Oh, no, two. I answered a question PS, without knowing what it. What color would their mask be? Okay. Brian has said yellow. All right. Uh, obviously, a medieval mace for the weapon. Got to get that, oh, that's that very good. spiky ball on a chain. I would go throwing stars. Yeah, uh, Botticelli, obviously. Oh, duh. duh. Of course. Duh. Get Botticelli's in there. <laughs> yeah, all right, bots. <laughs> you know, I mean, a, a quick Google of Renaissance artists returned Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Raphael, and Botticelli before Donatello. So, Of course. Got to keep it in the top five. Rembrandt's not even Italian. What am I doing? <laughs> Why am I even here? Phil also says, PPS, Venus de Milo doesn't count. She was named after an object, not an artist. True. She just had a slightly lighter color of an existing turtle's mask. Also true. She was a turtle with breasts. Yep. I'm sure the Tessin is a perfectly respectable weapon, but for the first female turtle, it should have been something less gender-coded than a war fan. Wow. So once again, Phil Hawkins has got his finger on the pulse of the people. Better than Stuart Gillard does. Phil Hawkins, Mike Lanham, write, direct your Turtles movie, please. Oh, that's a that's a team up I would I would pay to see that Turtles movie for sure. Phil, Michael, Matt, Mike, Micah, thank you guys so much for writing in. Phil, change your name to an M name. Thank you. <laughs> we love alliteration uh, and you blew it. Mill Hawkins. So close. <laughs> we were so close. <laughs> Thank you guys for for writing in on Facebook. Also, uh, you can you can hit us up at kpodcasters at gmail.com if you have any questions or suggestions 
or or anything like that. If you have something to complain about that we said, which highly unlikely, we're, we're professionals here. We we research all of our our facts before we spew them blindly on the pod. We don't we don't do that, and also we don't care if you fact check us. I got one more question. Oh, that came in from our good buddy Donnie, who fucking nailed it with Council of Loki's during our Loki episode. Sure did. And he said his question. How awesome was that last episode of Loki? <laughs> That's a, a very good question. And Answer. Pretty fucking awesome. So awesome. Uh, I cannot wait till season two. Also cannot wait till season two. Um, I don't think we're ready to talk spoiler stuff yet on the main, ch- on the main episodes, but, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Giving people a little bit of time, but man, I'm pretty fired up for what's coming next in the MCU. Brian, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, I just want to say... Subscribe to our Patreon so you can be one of our favorites. This month we did Chasing Amy, and it's a whole lot of fun. And next month we're gearing up to do a little Jaws action. So 45th anniversary. Oh, that's exciting. So definitely tune into our Patreon because we're having lots of fun over there. And all of our favorites can attest to that. Brian's never seen Jaws. I cannot tell you Damn the it. amount of people that wrote into me personally <laughs> to say, how the fuck has Brian never seen Jaws? It's a great question. And we are writing a wrong. Yes. In August. It needs to be righted, that wrong. Other than that, that's that's it. That's all I have, Dave. Fantastic. Next week, we're talking about Sin City. Same pod time. Same pod. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Party on, Garth.